Hello and welcome to the Pixels and Ink podcast, episode 310. We are staying safe, staying within our walls while this uh, business continues to play out. I am hosting today. For, I, I After last my, my triumphant return last week, I decided to take over the podcast. And I am joined by the always wonderful Brendan Fry. Hello there. How you doing? I'm I'm okay. Yourself? Well, I'm I'm pretty good now. I have all the power. <laughs> I mean, I can still stop the podcast anytime I want because I'm the one controlling the record. Button, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess you do. Listen, okay, listen, that. semantics. <laughs> also joining us is the wonderful Lindsay Travis. Hello. Did I say that right? I'm just looking at a piece of paper. Yeah, it's Travis. Oh, okay, cool. Yep. Only ever seen that word written, so. Like the, word, like, really? the word, Lindsay, like the word, wine. The <laughs> Lindsay, like the word wine. Like you know, it's, you know when it's really yeah. like windy outside. What? Hey Cole, wine. how you doing? <laughs> I'm doing pretty good, Alex. That's good. <laughs> I'm scrapbooking old Yu-Gi-Oh cards. Are you actually? Yeah. Okay, can you send me pictures when this is all done? Because I am a, I do love the Yu-Gi-Ohs. Oh yeah, for sure. All right. Good times. Good times. So. <laughs> back in back in 2000 and what like. When I was playing Yu-Gi-Oh, Yu-Gi-Oh is still going on, man. You can, I know, but I didn't. Up. I wasn't playing it like back then. Yeah, but oh, now yeah. it's like it's it's kind of power creeped it way up. Where like there's the Yu-Gi-Oh game that came out a few years ago. I had it on PS4, and I was rocking my like original Yu-Gi deck, and I'm like, I'm gonna do so well. And then I played online against like a synchro summon, uh, crazy <laughs> GX monster thing, and he beat me in one turn. And I'm like, is this like? 3d chess or something (laughs) no that's the game right now it's just one one turn kills it's good why i want to see the real life version of the one where they play on bikes oh that one's five d's that's yeah yeah (laughs) well if if you have vr chat you can play Yu-Gi-Oh in vr so on a a motorcycle yeah you can also do a lot of other things in vr chat but that's not what this podcast is about isn't it though that's that's a separate (laughs) podcast All right, so let's just jump into our little topics of the day. Um, so I'm not sure if you guys heard about this uh, with the like sl- like soft rollouts of a lot of the states opening back up in you know and 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 reducing their sort of their restrictions or stay at home orders. Um, yeah, yeah. GameStop uh, decided that they were going to open back up as well because you know we all know how essential. Yeah. And so um, the CEO was basically saying, like, we're going to open up as soon as as soon as the states decide that they want to open up. We are going to be right on the front lines opening back up and getting people their sweet, delicious video games. So is GameStop in Florida open? Because the beaches are open. Is is the the GameStop open? No, I think it's only hairstylists, beaches. And GameStops. Gyms? I think gyms are as well open. Huh. I think so, the like, WWE yeah. Performance Center is in Florida. That makes sense. Well, of course, of course. Like a gym right. is literally yeah. the first place you go if you want to like pick up as much bacteria as possible. Yeah, yeah. Or you catch a lot of stuff unless you're yeah. bringing your own machine in. Is that is it? Is that yeah. the system? Yeah, you're yeah. Like, let's go with that. Yeah, that yeah. sounds like a good thing to do. Oh and you burn God. it when it's done. I don't know. The hairstylist thing is unbelievable. Because, like, I know oh, it's, like, it, the it first thing that we're all like, oh, no, my hair's growing and my hair's fading. But, like, also you're at home, so, like, who cares? Well, yeah, you, yourself, you have, guys, like, have you have a few months. Oh, lucky, Jordan. Way to, way to, way to flex on all of us. <laughs> oh, yeah, lucky. Me and Vinny will shave our heads because it looks cool. If you're someone stuck at home, 
home and you're not going out for the next couple of months, you have like yeah. five different haircut tries to go. You can just like, yeah. you know, oh, yeah, no, it's oh, time, right? this time I'll try again next week when I've, when I've got the nerve off. But if you're someone who posts a lot of selfies on their social media, that might not help you. So anyone on this you podcast, wanna, just to, you want to try that. Like, like, yeah. Go ahead. I was gonna say, you want to try that like reverse mohawk that that guy from Alien Ant Farm had? Now is the time. Oh yeah, no, don't do that ever. <laughs> no. Man, that was yeah. cool. Oh, I mean, <laughs> I so you don't have a lot of hair, Jordan. I can cut off my hair and give you it, so you can do the reverse mohawk. I would. Like agree. A... Well, the reverse. Do you, do you do you know what I'm talking about with that guy from Alien, the lead singer of Alien Ant Farm? Yeah, just in the middle, right? Yeah, yeah. He just shaved this thing in the middle, yeah. So mm-hmm. I feel like I've got. It was a bad look. It was a very yeah. bad look, yeah, and it's also a bad look that GameStop is trying to reopen. Like, what the yeah, fuck? yeah, no, honestly. <laughs> so accor- apparently, apparently, the company has already like begun the process of reopening stores in Italy, which makes no sense to me. Um, That's Germany, weird. Uh, Austria and uh, South Carolina and Georgia, because South Carolina and Georgia are the ones that are really like trying to like open up as as quickly as possible. That's a very sol- weird selection of things, right? Yeah, there. yeah. I, I don't understand it. Um, and it's just it like it's it's one of those things like it's just so shady. Like GameStop already. I mean, I I don't know about you guys, but like I really don't like going to EB anymore. Like, there's very very rarely do I go to EB and I have like a genuinely good experience. I think that's accurate. Yeah, and I, I just like. I- Tell me more. Know. I'm curious. As someone who's like shopped for video games twice since the year 2000, well, like, I have, like no reference points. It's just a lot of like because you can see a lot of like the the gross like corporate culture that that exists within like the GameStop mm. EB uh, like like um, like mandates. So you just mm. you go in and it's not like you could just like buy a video game. Like it's like you're mm-hmm. constantly trying to be upsold on like you know, pop figures and pre-orders and, 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 and trade-ins and all this other stuff. And it's just like, all you want to do is just grab a game. But like okay, the thing that, that, that the, the one thing that really irked me, like I used to hate it. There was, um, there was an EB in back in my old hometown of Bolton and the, the manager there, like he was always trying to sell me an Xbox one. Like he <laughs> Hey Jordan, what are you up to on this Sunday night, huh? Every single time I went in there, it was like he's like, "Oh yeah, we got a promotion on Xbox One. Xbox One is like the best system ever." And I'm just like, "I, I have a PS4. Like, I don't need an Xbox." <laughs> and just every, every but what about the Halos? I swear to God, literally every single time I went in there, if it wasn't me, it was like somebody else. He was just trying, like just just going on and on about how good the Xbox One is. I was just like sitting there, like <laughs> I'm like, I I'm in games media i know what you're saying is false <laughs> but he's Whoa. Like, he's Whoa. Uh, uh, xbox one is the greatest console everyone so i i don't own it myself but i you know <laughs> xbox uh, i invited me to their e3 presentation i got to walk around play some games uh there wasn't any food that's okay and yeah they're the best Oh man! Okay. Yeah, so for for me, like my EB Games the local store, it's it's like in a little old people mall because there's a lot of old people there. That's why it's called an old people mall. Yeah. Um, but um, it's it's the scientific like, term. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And like the people there are genuinely I like have like because I've been going there for like five or six years, so I know them and everything. So there's not really like an upsell going on. Also, they've been there for five or six years, and I'm just cluing into that. Yeah. Man. Hmm. <laughs> time, it's a long right? time at EB Games. <laughs> hopefully, yeah, hopefully they're doing well. I've been there like but twice, it's... and they do always try to sell me like warranties. 
Which, like, yeah, yeah. maybe I am the reverse sucker, but I'm always like, no, I don't want to warranty on this, like, cartridge. Like, I don't, I'm going to put it. Yeah, like, no, it's know. not. And then I remember mm-hmm. even one time, too, a guy oh, did that to me where, like, so bad, eh? <laughs> <laughs> this is when it happens, right? Like he actually tried to do that to me. It was funny because like I I went in to buy I get a Switch game and he's trying to he was trying to sell me a warranty. And at the time I I just didn't really want it because it wasn't really a game I cared about. But he was basically trying to mm-hmm. tell me that like he knew people whose like uh, th- their switches were getting so hot that they were like melting the cartridges. And I'm just like I'm like they like, literally that is <laughs> false. I'm like this that's never once happened. But oh, like no, it was, okay, it was in the carpet email. Yeah, <laughs> and like can you show me the Kotaku? <laughs> Yeah. Not that I'm like an expert on this situation, but I feel like if my Switch melts my cartridge, like I'm writing a really angry letter to Nintendo. I'm not gonna be like, oh, yeah. you, I have a GameStop warranty. I'm gonna be like, yeah. um. <laughs> yeah. I've, 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 it's, oh, sorry, it's like there's been a couple of times where I bought the warranty, and, and it really just depends on like how I'm feeling on that day. Like some days yeah. I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, you know, I really want to protect that game. I just mm-hmm. want to do all I can to yeah, protect this here game. And some days I'm like, are you kidding me? Two extra dollars on this ninety dollars I've already yeah. spent. Are, are you like, no? Is this what's happening? Like, I'm looking at you. We're in person right now. This is yeah. This yeah. is very rude. Um, but I've never actually had a thing where one of my games is broken or my discs have been scratched, and I've gotten you're, it from EB Games. Well, I'm gonna throw it out there. The, the thing most people don't know, um, that I, I'm sure lots of people don't know, the coding on Blu-ray discs is actually exceedingly hard to scratch because it was designed that way. And unless you have a diamond, like a diamond drill, something like that, it's actually kind of hard to do. Huh. That's how I play all my games. You gotta... Well, more, more to the point, I... it's designed so if you, like, throw it around your house, yeah. probably nothing's going to happen to it. Yeah, it, it almost feels like it's a relic of the, you know, CD-ROM days when you, it is. you really could yeah. get, like, it, it was actually a service where, like, oh my gosh, my copy of Mario Super mm-hmm. Sluggers for Wii, yeah. it's scratched. Shoot, would, what am I going to do? Yeah. Spray that goop on it and make it better. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> buff it out. Windex. I just, uh... <laughs> and, you know, and, and the other thing, I mean, like, like you know, just kind of, like, to build on uh, on Alex's point, right? Like, I, you know, I know it's not every EB. Like, there's there's an EB that's, like, a little ways from where I live now. And, like, I went in there when I, when I got my new Switch. And, like, they were really nice and super helpful. And, like, the people, like, they were really excited about games. And, like, while it was sort of, like, you know, they were helping me out while I was, like, doing the the, the system transfer, which took, like, an hour. And, uh, you know, we were talking about, like, games. And one of them was, like, really excited about uh, Final Fantasy Online. And, you know, we got to talking about that. So, like, it's obviously it's not everyone. But it's just, like, nine times out of ten, mm-hmm. you go into an EB games. And it's just, like, it's, like, this is a hot topic that just happens to sell video games. Like, the amount of store of like shelf space now that is yeah. that is dominated by like pop figures and collectibles and like other well, that is because they did buy uh think geek remember that yeah, yeah. They... oh i, didn't... I completely forgot yeah. about that god yeah, I... and another oh, okay, yeah. i would love to break down collectibles and pops and all of that because well, oh well, my you know, god maybe next week that's next yeah week. Yeah, yeah for sure week. like yeah and here's a little tease. Like, I don't like pop vinyls, but Me neither. What's own up? every single I Overwatch burn one. them. So I it's like, I, I hate them. And then my brother has every single Overwatch one in his room. And I'm like, we bought these and we're excited for why? That's yeah. the, well, I'll, say, I'll save it. I'll save it. But that's the thing about pops is like, there's everything. So like nothing. There's two, like, how do you pick? What are you going to have a billion? It's crazy. They make them for every person. There's like, a Mother Teresa existed. pop, guys. Like, like on really? Oh, God. There were pop many. figures. For like like genuine specific scenes of movies, like yeah, it's too much. It's just it's too much now. But that's again, that's another podcast. This so, another podcast. Think, remember when people thought these were worth money? What? What? Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, let's get the little slip covers to protect the box. <laughs> oh, I can tell you like so I I'm very like backwardsly high and mighty because I think that pops are the worst, but I collect something like yes. incredibly similar that I think are like the best. So like I don't oh, know no. why I but... slop finals. <laughs> yeah, so I don't but as a result <laughs> Yeah. I'm like obsessed with the obscene values attached to pops. And, but then at the same time, I'll be like, this Daft Punk specific bear brick is actually worth, like, I'm the worst hypocrite ever, but I still, <laughs> I believe what I'm saying. I believe it. Right. Bear bricks and, are cool. And, and, like, at every Comic Con. Funko Pops are terrible. And next week, we're going to be talking about collectibles. Yeah. I'll save it. I'll save it. To bring this, uh, this <laughs> topic to a close, um, GameStop, what are you doing? Stop being... Uh, Stop being stupid. Like, d- just because places are impossible, it's like it's just like put your put your workers' health first, guys. Come on. There's no games like, coming out right now either. It's not no, like there's a big release now or like a, a thing. Like, everything's basically been pushed back. And I mean, do you want yeah. a digital version of Star Wars Episode One, one, one Racer for your Nintendo Switch? Yes, but Absolutely. I can get that online. So that's what I mean. Yeah. So, and if if anything, if uh, you know, a word of advice to our listeners. Stay inside, download your games. There's no reason to ever go to an EB, even in the best of times. Ever again. <laughs> a lot of places will ship them online for you. Um, yeah. And also, EB Games even ships them online. Yeah, so, that's what yeah. I don't like. I mean, if uh, you yeah. really love EB Games, uh, you, you can still get your fix. So, yeah. No, their shipping prices can get out. Yeah, yeah, for Speaking sure. Speaking of that, of shipping and shipping prices getting ridiculous... Um, so there's been a bit of a cottage industry going on with uh, the Nintendo Switch and people uh, scalping them for incredibly high prices. Yeah. Well, I never. I know uh, my brother was telling me because he was looking online uh, for a Switch in these, you know, trying times. Mm-hmm. And he was saying that it was ridiculous that like every single Switch he was seeing on like Amazon and eBay was going for like seven, eight hundred dollars. And Brendan, you were mentioning something about this too, weren't you? Yeah, well, I mean, that's definitely a thing right now, and I know um, that's why that story, I think it was uh, Kotaku did it, uh, where they were talking about this guy that bought basically all the replacement parts and built his own Switch for about 220 bucks <laughs> in the US, which would be, because they sell every replacement part, so you can get the screen, you can get the um, board, you can get the, the Joy-Con, so he just basically piecemealed it, and mm-hmm. it was cheaper oh, than nice. buying, it, basically it was the same price as buying a Switch Lite for a full-size Switch. Wow. Weird. That's hilarious, <laughs> but you know it has it is a thing, and it's it's just again it's such a it's such a crummy thing when people like take advantage of you know crisis situations, you know, but on the like you know on the on the flip side, Nintendo has said that they are like in talks with some of their um, like third party suppliers to try mm-hmm. and ramp up production of the Switch. They were saying um, that. They were expecting to produce about ten percent more of the switches than you know, okay. up from around uh, twenty million, which last was last year. Um, right. So, and I think that then they did say um, that like it was in like response to the fact that a lot of people are stuck inside right now, and mm-hmm. you know they want to try and get as many out. Granted, they did say that they can't like specifically forecast how many they can get out, but they do want to try sense. and like amp it up, especially especially too with like. Um, Animal Crossing having just come out and really mm-hmm. like you know the popularity of that, but amongst people who are stuck inside, it's like they really want to try and and get on top of that. But yeah, 
they can only, they can only do so much because their supply chains have been sort of interrupted and and they don't produce anything like out of really like specifically out of Japan, right? It's all done sort of third right. party. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I, I think the other major thing is at least the the only one I've ever for, for, for Switch. I mean, the, the Switch consoles are expensive, but Ring Fit is expensive as well. Like, yeah. I just oh, was yeah. on Amazon and it's like four hundred forty nine dollars. No. For, uh, for the game, which is, I mean, it's it's you know, it's a good, it's a great fitness game at home. And I think I talked about it a couple episodes ago. But they just added like a Guitar Hero mode that you can like play through songs yeah, from like Zelda cool. and Mario and, and stuff like that. Oh my god, um, I didn't and know that, and I'm very excited to hear. I will it. never, I'll never, uh, I'll give up my uh, my Wii Fit. I still got my balance board. Uh, you know, it's great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but it, it's. Well, I'm here playing Nintendo Labo, <laughs> which isn't getting scouted yeah, for. Yeah, you can. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, you can go to Home Depot and buy that whole thing. So, what? <laughs> My N64 got caught in the background of something I posted on Instagram the other day, and I just got like 500 responses of people being like, "How do you want a 64? What games do you have? No. <laughs> like, four controllers uh, and Goldeneye, sucker." Ha. You're just, you're just playing on all four controllers, mm-hmm. just like I yeah, with all my friends. Crying. <laughs> okay, it's my turn to win. You're just like sitting in a room alone, yelling at yourself. Stop looking at my screen. Yeah, but if you are someone who's looking for a Switch or a Switch Lite, there is a Canadian Twitter account called L Lababins, L B A B I N Z, and he's just basically uh, been tweeting out whenever they're switching stock at Best Buy, EB Games, Amazon for list price. Um, so there's hope if you don't have a switch and you want one. Fair enough. Well, good, but only if you have Twitter. If not, eh. Yeah. No. I mean, just get on. To, now is like the best time to get on Twitter, right? Learn a new yeah. skill. Learn how to use Twitter. Yeah. Stay informed. Cider sure. cut. <laughs> I'm getting all my uh, news from just Twitter. Whether it's good I mean, or bad. Mine's just red flag deals. Yeah, red flag deals are solid. <laughs> I saw on Twitter that uh, someone posted their their Animal Crossing turnip prices online, and Elijah Wood responded to them, and he went to their island and hung out for a little while to buy turnips. <laughs> so, so there's a little bit of good in the world. <laughs> I mean, you say that's good, but that's a thing. Yo, I would yeah. love it if Elijah Woods wanted to come to my island and buy turnip. I can't promise my turnip prices are high, but you know, I'll let him come to my island whenever he wants. Yeah, and then he also okay. said, "Long live Rian Johnson." When he came, there's there's a screenshot. So, thank you, Elijah Wood. Yeah, <laughs> I have so many questions. All of them. What? Real. It's true. I'm looking at the screenshot right now. Okay, anyone could doctor a screenshot, Alex. You can't I know his name's Al Wood. So much cynicism. Oh, no. You can't believe everything you see on the internet. I mean, oh. you kind of can. Yeah, he was really selling <laughs> yeah. a switch. I'm just saying, maybe Rian Johnson should live long. That's it. That's, okay. Uh, mm-hmm. Hopefully. These deep conversations right now. Right, now, yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right, fine. Moving on. Moving on from that good bit of... Actually, you know what? It's, it's, I'm, I'm trying to keep things positive as my... Uh, as you my, are. You my are. posting duty. So I saw actually a, really, a, a, a bit of really good news that actually made me really happy was um, was that NVIDIA announced uh, company no, company-wide raises during the pandemic. Mm. They said they're not, they're, not, they're not laying off any, uh, anyone. So the CEO, uh, Jensen Huang, uh, he, in a statement, wrote, um, in response to the falling economy, we announced that we are pulling in our annual review process. Um, immediately, I received questions about whether we are also planning layoffs. He said, all caps, no. Precisely the opposite. Hmm. We are accelerating your raise to put uh, some extra money in your hands. We can put tens of millions more uh, dollars in the hands of our families in the coming months. And then he said, uh, there is no layoff. 
we work with the work we do in graphics, science, AI, and robotics is more vital to the future than ever. Wow. So it, wow. Yeah, and especially right oh, now, yeah. they're probably yeah. killing it with everyone at home. So if you need a work at home computer and it has an NVIDIA graphics chip or yeah. whatever, then yeah, they're definitely yeah. killing it right now. And this so guy should it is really nice to see that like, you know, in, especially in like in a time of crisis where so many people too are like, you know, losing their jobs or, or, or struggling that a, that a big company and, you know, especially, especially when you, when you like, when you like put this up against stories, like, um, you know, companies like the cheesecake factory, like refusing to pay their rent on their like mm-hmm. LA building, because, you know, apparently a multi-billion dollar corporation doesn't want to have, can't be on the hook for, you know, a couple months rent, um, you know, during a shutdown like it's really nice to see a a big company like this like really getting yeah. behind their their employees and and helping out and because they can afford to do it so why wouldn't you <laughs> yeah that's fair but the cheesecake factory is not wanting to pay rent last what? i heard this was this was back like when this started yeah like when when a lot of these uh these like companies were were basically like they were you know their rent was coming up on on their buildings and they weren't yeah, yeah. they weren't pulling in the same amount of, of, of revenue. So, you know, a lot of smaller businesses were basically like trying to ask their landlords if they could be rent exempt. And the cheesecake right, factory right. did the exact same. They said, you know what? We haven't made the kind of money we make usually. So we are not paying our rent either. And everyone uh, in the world okay. was like, like, yeah, you can't, you can't afford to pay your rent. <laughs> it was, yeah. Weird. It was an ethical minefield. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah so. Just a bit. They sell twenty five dollar cheeseburgers. But... Yeah, go off. They have the, they're they're yeah. gaudy like golden pillar aesthetic, but you know they they when when the times get tough. Oh boy. Yeah, but well, whatever. Weird. I shan't. I shan't. Yeah. <laughs> That's a conversation for next uh, podcast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Please, I want to no, hear. That. Like I every know. time I like no, well, like I yeah, I agree. Like Cheesecake Factory can definitely pay their rent, but like let's stop pretending that the like. Uh, um, commercial landlord that owns the mall space that they're renting in is like yeah. the good guy. No, right. yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not trying. I'm not trying to make. That <laughs> I don't out mean. Either. I'm not I mean, saying no. that at you. I'm not saying that at you. I just mean like these sensational yeah. news stories are like it's really we get like so obsessed with them and it's more just like I mean who knows I don't know like I want to know is is Cheesecake Factory still paying their staff? Are they running? Like, are, are they doing delivery stuff, takeout? Yeah. Or are they just shuttered right, completely? Right. Right. Yeah. I would. Have, I would imagine that they. You know because. There's so few cheesecake factories here in Can- in Canada or Toronto, I guess. Mm-hmm. How many cheesecake factories are there in Toronto? There's like three. One? There's like one. There's or three. three? Okay. Something like that. Um, I, there's one one I would have to imagine that they are probably still doing like curbside delivery, like because not you know a company like that's not going to shut down completely. Right. Uh, yeah. But yeah. I don't I don't know. I'd have to. I'd probably have to do it. Just dig a little. Bit. I kind of. I, I heard that story and I rolled my eyes so hard and then I just never. Right looked back into it um yeah because i i i think that they like had to you know lay off their stuff because again they're they're a restaurant so how were they gonna keep their employees right. i don't i'm not sure if they well if like they a did. lot of like and again these things change all the time so i don't know and i'm trying not to obsess over it but like for instance uh, lululemon was still paying their staff even though they were closed so i could mm. see like i mean lululemon can still also afford to pay rent but like i feel like if you're paying your staff and you like what like i don't know i think there's so like i said it's such an ethical minefield that uh, i feel like i wade through every day like i haven't ordered any delivery because i'm like oh these delivery apps are predatory and they're preying on the restaurant industry at super high com- and then i'm like okay but also you're not giving any money to the restaurant industry so it's like <laughs> right. i don't know like what's the answer i don't know it's a minefield over here <laughs> 
So you know what? I yeah. just I just I just did a little quick Google search. Uh, I just typed in the words "cheesecake cheesecake factory paying staff," and the first thing that came up was a change.org petition that said "cheesecake factory should pay employees during COVID nineteen outbreak." Yeah, so well, apparently yeah, they're yeah. not <laughs> paying their staff. So, but they're also not paying their rent. So I don't know how you uh, how you get yeah, how you navigate that one. Okay, you know what? They're just taking a six month break from paying. You know, have you guys ever taken a six month break from something? You just like I need yeah. some space. Mm-hmm. Need to find myself. Cheap yeah. flights to places. Like yeah, yeah. They took a vacation yeah. like the rest of us. Um, well, way to go, Nvidia. Nvidia. Way yeah, they're go. doing yeah. great. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, moving on from that uh, fun little story, uh, we have, and I'm actually going to let one of you guys take the reins on this because this is a little outside nice. my wheelhouse. The Canucks for Comics charity initiative. Why? That sounds fun. It's a, yeah. So it's um you know comic book stores are either closed or doing shuttered curbside sort of delivery stuff so and a lot of comic book shops aren't doing that well financially in the best of times so right now when no one's going it's it's really bad so uh, a couple weeks ago the u.s there was a u.s company or u.s foundation that came up with creators for comics where a bunch of comic creators across the industry were auctioning off either art or cool exclusive stuff that they own to people and all they had to do was donate the money and it was basically just bidding on Twitter kind of thing. So this is the Canadian version of it where it's the Canadian creators, people in Canada, and they just started a couple of days ago and it runs till the 29th at noon Eastern, I believe. But oh, um, it's, yeah, it's big, like big, big, big Canadian writers like Jeff Lemire is there. If you guys know Canadian comics or anything, mm-hmm. but uh, um, I don't lo- Lots of cool stuff there. Lots of stuff for, you know, cool charity stuff and keeping the comics industry going. So if that's if that interests you at all, I'm sure this episode will be up before that's over and uh, you can spend a lot of money. I, I actually just got outbid on something where I'm like, you know what? I just got my, I, I, I just got some money and I'm going to, you know, put money into it. I'm going to put down $300 and I got outbid in like two minutes and I'm like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> I bid on a Jeff Lemire, what did you uh, bid on? Batman and Robin thing. And I was like, oh, this is cute. This is nice. And then so now it's at like, Eight hundred dollars, and I'm like, oh my, God. my tweet was there. So. <laughs> well, yeah. you know. well, there's your phone oh my call God, telling yeah. you that you actually won with three hundred. Oh, oh, <laughs> and you're so relieved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then there's I also like um like like yeah. Jim Lee, big big comic artist. He's doing um a sketch every day for charity, and each of these sketches is going for like ten thousand dollars. Yeah. And then he's sort of like giving it to to um to comic shops and everything. So uh yeah, cool stuff going up on that front. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, Jim Lee yeah, started great. Doing, like What is the state of comic book production uh, like anyway right DC now? Like Comics our new book still out with five week? books every week, but they're not all really original stuff. Like 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 one of the books this week was like a third printing of Batman 84, which came out, I don't know, like 3 months ago or something like that. But they're doing cuz for DC at least they had um they had Walmart Comics where there was these big comics that were exclusive to Walmart and it was a bunch of creators coming in. So they're sort of reprinting those and, and releasing them as their own single stories. Um, but again, they found people to sort of make the comics, but only like five a week to places. And most stores aren't open. And like my, my comic book store isn't open. So I'm just sort of. So I can't, I can't help but wonder if like, if we might see, you know, like the way last week we were talking about um, the whole like uh, straight to straight to video, like, you know, video on demand stuff with, with uh, the trolls thing. And whether or not that shifts the entire medium to a more like direct on demand thing. Like if, if we like through, through something like this, which is going to shut down a lot of industries for, you know, for quite a while, um, 
if we're going to start seeing like more of a uh, a push towards you know online media like online production in comic books because there's a lot of really great web comics out there right now but they sort of exist like in that bubble of web comics so to see like if you know big publishers kind of start shifting away from doing traditional you know print uh like comic books and just kind of make it more like available and like in like digital services and just online like if that's a more viable option you can just sort of like subscribe to a to a service and then just get comic books right yeah so dc has something that it's i think it's called it's not dcu it's anyway it's it's some sort of streaming thing yeah yeah so you get you get access to a lot of dc comics from throughout the years but their big thing is they don't want to go digital because if they go digital they think it's going to be the death note for comic book stores and that's what comic book stores are fearing because yeah. like again most yeah. comic book stores don't do well financially and sure there are standout ones that that do well and you know are are sort of getting people in and everything but most of them are like living month to month um, yeah well they really haven't been doing good since the 90s that's kind of why it, so. I, I wonder like as much as I, I know it makes me uh, sound really heartless to say it and i i genuinely don't mean it but like is it one of those things where like maybe it's just one of those necessary things that like this is just one of those things that maybe has to like you know if 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 comic book stores are struggling in the best of times it's just, maybe it's just like the nature of the industry needs to sort of move forward and it it sucks that a lot of people you know aren't gonna like are you know will, will would would lose their like livelihood but you know if it's just it's one of those things like every industry has has that moment where like the old way of doing it like kind of dies and then they have to sort of move forward i just i can't i i don't want i don't wish it on anyone i just i wonder i think it could go a couple ways like i mean it's analogous to what we saw with how digital changed the physical media market with movies like we don't have video stores and rental stores anymore. Exactly. Um, and then, you know, we've got, but like, I know, I know every used DVD store or used, I don't know, physical media store, if we're going to call it in the city and definitely frequent them. Cause I prefer physical media mm-hmm. and you know, I'm like, Oh, you know, I'm not going to order on Amazon when I can get it at Sonic boom, but everybody's different. There's like a few things, much like we were talking about the exact same reason why EB doesn't want to go online. They want you to come into the store because in the store you can be upsold and you can make impulse buys and you could buy small things by the counter and you can throw a Funko pop onto your order as where you wouldn't do that online. So there's a huge, I mean, yeah, I think you could lose the middleman, but all the same arguments you can make about streaming versus owning physical media, like the difference between having a perpetual license that could suddenly end at any time versus having a piece of media that you can watch anytime. And the changes like Disney plus, notoriously made a whole bunch of changes to the movies that they uploaded Mm -hmm. um and then you know look at the batman black label that like ridiculous comic where they ended up blacking out the penis right like did they really i have the the original i have two copies the original yeah worth like 200 bucks and it's like like, if you ever want your hands on a brian azariello comic but um (laughs) you like there's there's like i don't know like i i wouldn't want to give up any of my paper copies of certain comics mm. I, but you know i don't know we've always had comiXology isn't new a no. lot of libraries have comics online like being able to read comics mm. online isn't super new this just might encourage people that were like resistant like i don't read comics online i don't like to personally but this might make me and yeah. could make me start because it's really the only way i can see certain new comics yeah. so because yeah, I read almost I like every comic, or, or or at least the comics I read. Like, I mean, not like traditional comics. I think the only the only comics, quote unquote, that I read are web comics, right? So, like, okay. Hmm. 
But I, I think, I mean, comics are such a visual medium that having the actual pages and flipping through it, it's like, when you, when you think about it, it's like three bucks for a comic book and it's like 20 pages of art, which is a deal you're not going to find anywhere else for anything, yeah. which is, you know, a, a whole separate value proposition story thing there. But I think well, with the comic book stores, a lot of the audience is these sort of older people who have read comics since the 90s or, you know, growing up 80s, 70s and, and all that kind of stuff. And yeah. they're sort of like it's it's their routine, but it's also like a social thing to them, where it's like, okay, we're gonna go to the comic book store, we're gonna look around. It's it's yeah. so much more than a transaction. And so I, it, like on one hand, I I can see it like this pandemic making pe- pe- more people go digital, but I think for those people, it's nothing can really make them go digital because it's not really about the comic; it's about the whole store experience. Yeah, no, you're absolutely like, right. Definitely one of those people. And like I said, it's the same thing. Like I'll still go peruse the like use dvd sections at certain stores because i miss walking around a video store so like that's definitely part of my thing but i also think like we were talking i think it was a couple weeks ago about conventions and stuff like let's not forget obviously the values have plummeted since they were like overvalued um like after like i don't know the 90s but variant covers and reprints and special comics that you can't get anywhere else and bringing them to a convention to get them signed by the creator and putting them on your wall like that you can't do with something digital right so i don't know yeah that's true sure I don't know, but I'm also like a dreamer who wants comic book shops to last forever. So maybe <laughs> I, I, we'll see. We yeah. will see. Yeah, yeah, I think they're gonna have to definitely be better <laughs> than what they were before. A lot of them, because I mean, a lot of them haven't changed in a really long time. And if they want to keep going, they'll have to eventually, mm-hmm. you know, be more consumer friendly, be more friendly to you know certain groups of people, because a lot of comic book shops aren't. So, Ooh. yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of comic book shops are also like hybrids as well. It's not just comics they're selling. It's it's also figures. Mm-hmm. It's also card games a lot of the times now that I've found just because that's another paper medium that they can get people hooked on. But like there's this huge shift that is happening where everyone is going all digital. And with comic book shops, it is that experience. It's that collectible factor. It's that physical factor. It's that nostalgic factor that brings us back time and time again with when i read comics online the only reason why i ever do it is because hey maybe i'm just downloading it to bring it on a trip and stuff that way i have a huge catalog available to me when i'm traveling uh and i just have my kindle on site so (laughs) what point i was actually trying to make i think i was more or less just describing my experience that i I still like love comic book shops i wish that i had one here in newfoundland to go to um, but I, I really hope that my old stomping grounds, altered states, and Mississauga is still like mm. trucking along. I hope they're doing good too, especially yeah, during we these times. Doing good. Were there any like local shops that you guys have that uh, yeah, you actually like to shout out comics, and try and support uh, here? It's, and it's, it's near Royal York Station, if you know the Toronto subway station kind of thing. Uh, it's not open right now because he's just like, yeah, we don't have enough business to have it open. But uh, <laughs> again, not not surprising. Yeah, but he also owns the land, oh, so it's not bad. like a whole thing. Oh, nice. Yeah. Cool. yeah. Um, I think, uh, you know, it's not a place I, uh, really go to. Cause like I said, I'm not, I don't really like check out too many, uh, you know, too many physical comics, but I know that there is a place, uh, in Orangeville called the, uh, the gauntlet comics and games. I know I have a buddy of mine who goes there a lot of the, the time to play, um, magic gathering. Uh, and I went there once with him. Uh, it was, it was a really cool, like atmosphere. Like everyone there was super chill. Uh, I just sort of like hung out and played my switch while they were playing magic. Cause that whole game was way beyond me. But yeah, no, it was it was it was actually a really cool place. <laughs> nice, cool. Um, 
Yeah, I frequent Silver Snail, which I know everyone is like, oh, that's the yeah. big one. But um, I love Silver <laughs> Snail, and I don't Ooh. care. <laughs> um, I also, uh, we're like page and panel at the uh, Toronto Public Library. Oh, yeah. Also has like a really nice small selection, and they host really cool small events. Oh, yeah. And they'll have like creators come and do a lot of signings, things like that. So it's pretty cool. And I also really like West End Comics. But I don't know. I like lots of them. And I also dislike lots of them. So. Ooh. Ooh, spicy, well, spicy hot. Let's talk about that list on yeah. the next episode. <laughs> yeah, that would be a whole. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. All right. Well, with that, why don't we take a quick break and we'll come back with our uh, main topic, topic of the evening. Hi, we are back from our break and now we are jumping into our main topic, Batman vs. Superman, <laughs> Masterpiece or Masterful? Um... Um, Alex, who's hosting here? <laughs> I will decide when we are back from break. Release the Alex cut. (laughs) Masterpiece or super masterpiece? So I've been censored again by the the people on this podcast. Um, So follow my Twitter for my real thoughts. But uh, Jordan, (laughs) I give you back the the hosting duties that I stole. Thank you. Thank you. Um, So for our main topic today, I wanted to discuss um, like small details or like attention to detail in games movies or comics um it's something that i've been noticing a lot in my time spent with animal crossing uh, new horizons um and it's not and really it's not just that one there's like it's almost like every game on the switch but just the amount of small details that they put in like it's both both small details and just the the attention they put to like just the like smallest things adds so much value to this game for me i don't know what it is but it's like like um you know just like like little things like something i noticed um so when when you are like sort of uh building your island um and you get like you get access to like making pathways Mm -hmm. there's different types of like you know dirt paths you can make there's you know this there's like the standard grass there's you know the light dirt there's dark dirt and there's like sand and for every like different type of dirt not only did they make it so that like digging it with a shovel makes a different sound um and it like it has a different like vibration intensity in the controller so it's just like it's small stuff like that where they just they put so much thought into these little things and it's like for a game that i mean despite like how much i genuinely loved it and you can read my review at cgmag.com um you know it's like it's just like the game itself is is like it's in animal crossing has always been a game that's just like doesn't really give you a ton to do like it's sort of a game about doing nothing Mm -hmm. but like it's it's so much more enhanced in that way by like all these like smaller little things like like you know um, you can when you're if you're walking around in the rain and you have an, your umbrella out, like you uh, now you can actually see like the water droplets running down the umbrella. Like if you're standing near a radio and the music is playing, like not only will different radios make like like have different qualities of sound, but like turning the radio away from your person will like reduce the volume because it's like actively facing away from you. So it's just like just like little things like that make such a huge difference. So I don't know, like what what have you guys sort of noticed in like like you know 
your different uh you know favored mediums you know in like just like small details like where they were what they like if and like whether or not they like added or like subtracted from an experience Who wants to start <laughs> off <laughs> i'll go oh god <laughs> um well i turning to tv um we are right in the middle of the detail heavyweight champion of the world that is westworld mm-hmm. um oh yeah and the attention i to... still haven't watched it oh my god I'm sorry, I know, I'm bad. He has no time, it's fine. That's fine. I just, well, I guess, I don't want to give anything, I mean, literally saying Westworld season you know, three is like a huge spoiler, like the whole show is like so just, spoilable. Just do it, I don't care. I'm, I'm going to try my the best. The audience might care. Yeah. Oh, you yeah, know, okay, fine, fine. I won't fine. spoil anything, I'm going to do my best here. Um, but the show is notoriously obsessive about details, like every song has like five different meanings in it, and you know, like from season one... Um, it obviously is much more of a Western theme. Uh, it takes place in what's called Westworld and everything feels like a Western. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's like that Western saloon piano style music playing by a really excellent composer whose name escapes me. But um, the it'll play like some modern songs and like the lyrics will have something to do with what's happening. Like it's very, very, very detail oriented. And we're now in season three um and uh the details of the most recent episode which is i guess the there's two episodes left so the most recent episode mm. i think was episode six uh that sounds right unbelievable yeah, six right. yeah it's created this whole like little micro market of like videos and podcasts and youtubers that just like pick apart every little thing and it's so so fun like when you're watching the show you're always looking at like a mm-hmm. sign in the background and what someone painting on the wall like what's that graffiti mean and what's it trying to say and what did they mean when they said Solomon and Rehoboam? Is it because of the, and like, you want to like break everything up and it's, uh, it's very cool. So I don't know. I'm not going to spoil mm-hmm. it for any listeners, but if you want to uh, break down every little detail <laughs> in every single frame of Westworld, like I'm always available. <laughs> I mean, is it, have any of no. you watched uh, devs, the new uh, Hulu show? Uh, my friend not just yet. told me to watch not it yesterday. Yet, no. So it's, on it's my the new list. Alex Garland show. Um, very similar to Westworld. It does have that kind of level of Ooh. detail where even the framing of shots or how <clears throat> one scene might be inverted to another scene, kind of, they all kind of ties together in us meeting. It's also interesting to see Nick Offerman in a non-comedic role, which is yeah. just weird and confusing. Oh, he's so I don't good. know what to do about it. For our, and I'm just double checking this right now, but for all of our Canadian listeners, I believe you can watch, yeah, you can watch devs on the FX app if you have access to FX through your cable provider. Ah. So, oh, excellent. Go. Yeah. And it looks awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I've been meaning to watch that one. Uh, one of the things for little details with me, particularly with modern games now, is actually animation. It's actually it's one of the key factors for me that really okay. immerses me into mm-hmm. something. And I think a perfect example would be comparing an, an old game like Spider-Man 2 to what we have now with Marvel Spider-Man on PS4. Yes, because when I I think of the nostalgia of Spider-Man 2, it's like, yeah, for that time, it was a great game. But Spider-Man looks goofy as hell in combat. Nothing really looks believable except the swinging. And then when you see how they've transferred into Marvel Spider-Man with Insomniac Games, Insomniac has done so much detail to the animation of Spider-Man where you can tell how much weight he's putting behind his swing depending on how long you're holding the trigger. You can tell how much power he's putting into Mm -hmm. every punch and how much weight he's putting behind it. 
like all of those uh, details of animation really bring me into a game and especially in like an open world game or a third person game uh, animation is just so vital for really making me believe I'm that character and really selling me on that world itself as well. Well, you know, it's interesting. Speaking of uh, of the new Spider-Man, uh, the play like PlayStation game, there was actually um, there was actually a little a little detail, and again, this brings back to this like attention to detail that because um, I mean, there's a lot of the little Easter egg details, like you know, you can swing around, you can find like Doctor yeah. Strange's apartment and like other like little things, right? But then there was one thing I read about, and like it actually like it genuinely like blew me away that they that they took the time to make this a thing. So, like one of the things that I that I saw in you know uh and i'm sure a lot of people saw playing spider-man was like you can actually see you know in certain parts of the city the uh, like the hasidic jews walking around right but the one time that they you can't find them is if you play the game and your internal clock oh, is on really? a saturday because, really? it's, cool. because it is the sabbath and they won't go out so they actually took the time to include that detail and it's just like it really like it 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 really makes the world feel so much more alive and believable i also like that early on in spider-man's uh dev cycle where people were bringing up puddlegate does anyone remember what this was about what now they, everyone thought when I vaguely remember when Spider-Man was initially revealed in the reveal trailer and like he's going through that uh, Wilson Fist Tower and like there's a bunch of puddles and stuff like everyone thought that mm-hmm. in the later trailers when it shows that there's less puddles everyone's like oh they've downgraded the graphics in fact they <laughs> increased the oh graphics when you compare the fabric of spider-man's suit in the reveal trailer to what it is now in the actual game they have done so mm-hmm. much more little details like that to bring spider-man to life and the city to life itself and all it costs oh those poor months. puddles oh, i feel so months. ripped off <laughs> gone but not forgotten <laughs> <laughs> that's why it wasn't my game of the year honestly that's no. fair. Yeah. but another thing that uh, jordan brought up actually on the docket yeah. was is there too much detail in something and uh I, I on the thing that i brought up with animation again one of my favorite games of last year was jedi fallen order but there was one and i thought that animation for that game was mm-hmm. really on point except for one key thing and i refused to use this part of the character and it was the sprint Cal Kestis looks like a complete fool when he sprints. Yes, just goobering like, around. If he's trying to be expressive or whatever, well, I can you know, kind um, of understand, but it's not how a normal person ever runs. I actually, you know what? I do want to touch on that a little bit, but first, I do. I just want to give Alex a chance. No, to, I refuse. You know, say he cheated Alex you out of hosting. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> And it's moving true. on, <laughs> no, damn. No, uh, you know, for, you know, just to, just to give, yeah. I feel like we all give a little example. And I mean, you, you started off talking about sort of sound design and, and sound cues, and for me, the Breath of the Wild on on Switch and Wii U, depending on yes. where you played it, uh, I think it hits you right away with really subtle themes. Like when you wake up in the shrine, you sort of hear like a like like a really quiet theme, and as you get close to the door, it builds and builds, and then suddenly mm-hmm. you're at this vista, and this whole world is yours to explore, and the music's sort of showing you that. And there's Spelling, no, yeah. there's no. I mean, there is a theme, but it's not like as sort of recognizable as like a 
as past all the games themes have been but, no, no, but no. it's more like as you go through the world and as you're close to a shrine you might hear something and as you enter a shrine it changes and you're interacting with certain characters and everything and uh the attention to detail to sort of put it in the background really magnified that whole experience for me yeah and you know just just to, just to, to, to build on that a little bit it's it's something i i did find a little interesting too because like like you're right like there really is no music when you're you know sort of on your own like you get you know you get, you get the odd little like piano keys here and there like maybe it starts raining or something like that but gen generally like if you're on foot it's mostly silent right and i think that that does add a lot to the ambiance of the game but it's not until you get on the horse and you start riding and it's like you know that that, that that's sort of like the main like sort of the breath of the wild theme starts to pick up and it really is like the longer you're on the on the trail and the longer you're on the horse, it starts to pick up more and more. And eventually it actually does lead into that, like, you know, the dun 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 dun, dun. like it does get into that in its own little subtle way, but it really does like it 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 builds along with your like your time spent traveling. And it like it, it, it again, it's such a nice like 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 little detail that that flushes out the whole experience a lot more. Yeah, for sure. Fantastic. Um, so, 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 in in relation, getting back to what uh, Cole said, um, I definitely think that uh, something that's like worth looking, like you know, or analyzing a little bit is is the the difference between attention to detail and obsession with detail. Like, you know, it's those those games that 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 tr are you know, or products that try too much. And then eventually just they just become these busy like messes. Like for me, I think the most immediate example uh, that comes to mind is uh, Red Dead Redemption 2. Mm. Um, it's a game I like a lot, but it's just and it's it, you see that in a lot even in, it's it's sort of a thing that you you started to notice, I think, a little bit in, in Grand Theft Auto 5. It's just this these little ways that 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 Rockstar like tries, I think, a little too hard to make their games like feel so like like realistic and feel so like 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 these big things so like to the point where like trying to control um arthur morgan oh god what was his name now <laughs> i haven't played arthur uh like he he always kind of feels a little bit like you're you're <laughs> trying to move a forklift because it's like you can't just you can't just move the joystick and you know have him move and then he stops when you let go of the joystick you know he has to take a couple little steps and, and you know and slow down his momentum so you never land where you have to land you know or like you know when you're skinning a, an animal it has to go through the whole laborious animation of him you know taking out his knife and cutting the thing open and pulling the skin off like it's like the first time it's neat the second time it's like okay we get it like mm. can i just have the stuff now please and you know I, like, it's it's just that and that's the thing where it's like if it, it you know if you do it one time it's like okay that's a neat little addition they you know they, they they wanted to focus on like just how this whole process is done and it's you know it's a nice little attention to the detail but then what's every single time it's like okay it's like this is too much now like now it's just now you're just you're so focused on the detail that it's pulling away from everything else mm. and then I, I guess on the flip side i've only played uh in a handful of times but just just existing in that world just like walking around it feels like you could do so many things and the fact that you can you know you find a, you, f you find an animal and you can just like you, you go through the whole process of skinning it which honestly don't skin animals people but uh, in a video game it's it's like well that's it's 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 cool how how many options you have and what i like about red dead too is that it's i mean all video games are i think or not all video games but many video games are that sort of power fantasy and it is because like you're still doing a lot of badass stuff but you're also sort of um, 
have to do it at like a human sort of rate. And you might you might be the coolest human. You might be like an action hero kind of guy, but you still can die very easily if you turn the wrong way or you know get get caught up with the controllers. Yeah, to a certain degree, I, I definitely I don't I don't disagree. Like I, I I really loved Red Dead too. I just I I personally thought that there were there were just too many things that could have been just streamlined a little bit so that like it wasn't so uh it didn't get it didn't get past that point where it was a nice like addition to the point where it kind of became monotonous you know i feel like like you look at a game like the witcher the witcher 3 does the exact same thing except you know it's it's a lot more streamlined when you kill an a, a monster you just you know it opens up a menu here's all the things you can get and you get them and that's it it's not like you know Geralt has to every single time carve the you know lubberkin open and friggin take its guts out and oh put it in his little satchel like you know the first time you you kill a monster and he does that you know it you, like you see him like going for the initial like carve and it just fades to black here's all the stuff like mm-hmm. perfect that's all you need <laughs> sometimes sometimes it's like you don't you don't need to do it every single time <laughs> yeah patting down every single dead body to find what's in its yeah body. i think with like, uh with rockstar games in general it's about delivering delivering like this all-encompassing cinematic experience where everything you do as a player has to be like a movie shot moment and they do deliver on that (laughs) but it it isn't for everyone and for some people like me i i i'm not really into it either i think that i think that the witcher 3 route is a lot better because it's so tedious just going through those animations time after time after time again i just want to move on to my next objective you know that really next piece of meaty story that i want to sink my teeth into absolutely i mean if it's not the game's like pace then it doesn't gel right it doesn't fit in and it it it, it gets away from from being like something that's like you know, adding to the aesthetic. Yeah, especially if my objective at that time is like, I just want to sell these pelts. I just want to make some money. (laughs) I don't need to see this skinning animation five times. (laughs) Well, I think it's it's also kind of the same thing, like in certain movies too, right? I think like when I when I think of something like, um, you know, the uh, like the Dark Knight movies. As much as I do love the first two movies, it's like the way that. you know the shot composition is is done during the fight scenes where it's a lot of spinning camera it's a lot of like you know to try and i get i get that they're trying to capture that feeling of being in sort of like an intense fight but it's just like it it, get, it gets past that point of being like you know that detail oriented like visual conceit to the point where it's just busy and i want to see batman fighting yeah the guy. constant cuts the bloom there's so many things that they can do wrong in that in those aspects compared to like one shot takes with things like the raid or old boy and stuff like that, where you can really sink your, where you can really just, just marvel at the action in front of you and and really absorb every detail that is really that the director really wants you to get across. For sure. Yeah, I agree. And I think talking about like small touches, it's not really a small touch, but it's something that you sort of, notice as a small touch and that like with fight choreography like something like john wick and you compare that to like a you know like a enter superhero movie here yeah 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 and it's like batman v superman best movie well i'll talk about that in a second but um it's it's very (laughs) it's it's 
it's noticeably different because like like I, I, like after John Wick, I was like physically exhausted after watching the third one. I was like, man, that yeah. is a lot of action, and it's like going at it your is. pace. And you watch a you know MCU film, you watch the new Endgame or whatever, and it's it's a very different like it, cut cut cut. But then you know things are going on; it's moving at such a fast pace. But with John Wick, you're you're like working for every minute of that movie, right? And yeah, he's working right. for every minute. So I think that's. It, it works well, and it's basically like the whole the whole point of that movie is like the action and so, sort of telling that streamlined tale over the course of a few hours. But um, it definitely does it to separate it against yeah. other action movies. I recently fell down a rabbit hole of um, stunt guys on Instagram mm. and was watching as all these do. like yeah, as one does. And uh, one of them, his name is I think it's Guy da Silva. I'll have to double check that. So he's like in the Black Panther suit for most. Oh of yeah, the he was on the uh, Corridor Digital channel. The movie. He was, yeah. I watched that video too, um, and I ended up falling down a rabbit hole of his Instagram and everyone that he works with, and all of their Instagrams and all their videos of their stunts. And one of the words that like they kept going back to to describe making stunts and things look real and different is the word weight. And it's so true. It's the weight that makes things feel really real. And like that's the thing about movies like John Wick or even, you know, um, Brawl and Cell Block 99, things like that. Like, all the hits have so much weight. Like, your teeth almost rattle, and you can, like, feel mm-hmm. it. And he really, uh, Guy mentions it a few times in a few videos I watch. He really, like, talks about, like, how, um, oh gosh, I can't remember the name of it, but drops that they use in the Marvel movies and specifically in um, The Winter Soldier, which I think has some of the best action sequences in all of the MCU. Um mm-hmm that like they really let everyone fall so like you're free falling at the end they just pull up on your weight a bit so that you can land but you still land with weight as opposed to landing up on your toes which is what he mentions in that uh video you were talking about yeah a second ago and it's so true i think that that really adds so much to action sequences and comparing it to things like really big cgi fights is you never feel the weight you might see it on the actor's face like even chris evans or captain america pushing back at thanos like you see it on his face but you don't really feel the weight of that push but right. in something like John Wick, like you feel those punches land, like you, like do you know what I mean? Like you feel it. It's cool. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and there's a cool uh, video actually going around. I'll try to find it and post it on Twitter of a bunch of stunt guys. Like, did you guys see that meme of like uh, people doing their makeup and they like pass the makeup brush through? Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah, yeah. They toss it to the yeah, side. Yeah, yeah. So somebody did uh, did one. It's like all stunt guys hitting each other. <laughs> So like take the <laughs> yep. hit and then throw the next hit and it's so great and again like that word wait like you can see which ones are so great because they're literally standing in front of their phones and it looks like they got like smoked and it's so <laughs> cool. <Anyway. laughs> speaking of detail and fight scenes now alex you uh you mentioned uh batman v superman thank you jordan <laughs> Do you care to elaborate? <laughs> well, I, I I was just kind of thinking about the, the idea of uh, sort of putting Easter eggs that references the stuff coming sooner, like, like coming later. But then when that doesn't actually pan out, uh, and in in Batman vs Superman, I don't know, it's on my brain. But they have the whole nightmare scene, and it's a uh, it's it's like a it's like a flash forward that Batman sees, and he sees this world that's like been overtaken, and everything's dust, and Superman's this like fascist leader, and he's got to fight back, and everything. Which is like a cool moment, but it, it just kind of like inserts itself into Batman vs Superman, and then it's never going to show up again because Zack Snyder's off of the Justice League films, and it, it it's just so, so, sort of made me think of that like you know small details and foreshadowing are cool, but it works better when you know you're going to be able to tell the whole story 
and everything and and, and maybe in smaller things like um in, in in comic books or or what have you or in maybe one film but when you're doing it like you're like okay well because i think uh, what, what Zack snyder said i think it's scott snyder <laughs> but it's Zack snyder um he said that his plan was he had like a six movie plan and Batman vs Superman was like the number, like the second film in his plan. And it's like the payoff was going to be in film number six. And that's, I, th- I think that's a big sort of risk or leap to take that you're going to have this vision to go from there to there. Um, and I mean, to be fair, that, that happens to a lot of um, this kind of these universal films. Like even like, if you go to films that just never get it, like the, um, the new mummy movie there's supposed to be all these like well, hints the, the to things dark coming universe. yeah for sure yeah, the dark universe yeah yeah but, but there's always whenever you want to make a franchise there's always going to be these little hints to things that might happen and you kind of like you just might see it in the background and that's supposed to pay off in three to four movies and then yeah. they just kind of draw. or you look at game of thrones where they hinted at all these things <laughs> and then just suddenly like, you know it's like let's not answer any of those questions let's just leave those alone that's totally fine yeah yeah it's totally 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 fine we don't need to actually pay any of the stuff off. Yeah, it's good. It's fine. Well, so, so I, guess, I mean, yeah. My... I mean, this could be a whole. This could be a whole other podcast. But I think it's. Oh yeah. You know the like those details. I think the, the reason that those details work, at least in the Marvel movies, was because they were sort of just that. They were like these little sort of almost like Easter eggs. And they were never like there was never this 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 grand declaration that they were establishing this huge universe. Like right. it was like they were putting out these movies. Every movie was kind of like peeking over the fence of the of the next movie. And it really wasn't until the Avengers that it was like, okay, MCU, this is a big thing now. Like yeah. the, the with with the DCEU and even like the you know the dark universe. That I think that was their problem probably right off the get go was that they were tr- like they're initially trying so hard to like um make like a universe happen so like you know the nightmare scene i mean that, that, that we could write a whole thesis about why that's just a terrible scene in an already bad movie i was but, gonna like, say it's the best part of the movie and it, it doesn't lead to anything <laughs> like it like it's the most interesting part where you're like okay well, like like what is going on here like yeah. you know we've been dealing with Zack snyder for an hour and a half and that's a lot of time to deal with Zack snyder but now we have this <laughs> glimpse forward like what could this mean and yeah. well what other characters are going to come well, in and then it's like sure, it like, never leads to anything and it's the most important part in a movie that it's that. fun, but it's like it's it it's it, it adds in my opinion, it adds so little because it's just like for everything to work, it's like you have to already know like who um Dark Side is, what the Omega symbol means, like who the new gods are, what's going on. I don't know. Like, you, you, there's you, you make like, okay, Superman is a fascist leader and the world is all dust. Even if you've never read a comic before, you're like, oh man, this, that's not good. What's what? it leading to? Yeah, yeah sure, but they put, those, like... they put those details in. Like the, the parademons show up and you're just like, what are these? But like me going into that movie, I knew what those things were. I mean, they look terrible, but like, it's like when I saw the Omega symbol, I was like, oh, okay, Darkseid's getting involved. This could be cool. Like, but like, it just, that's because I knew what was going on. Like for regular audience members well, who don't know. What, what are you saying? Lindsay, what are you saying? I have, two, yeah. uh, I have two reasons why I don't know about that. Like, first of all, um, let's not forget how much people, like our in- industry is based on this. People love to go and look things up after movies. We love to go and see what the comic book nerds are going to tell us. I call myself a comic book nerd. I can say it. Um, <laughs> we want them to tell us like what these hints mean, like Easter eggs and going online and watching clips and reading Reddit. Like that's a huge market in and of itself that people love. Also, let's not pretend that 
any, well, not any, let's not pretend that the bulk of MCU fans knew everything about the comics before the MCU. We always went and looked. No one knew what Apocalypse was at the end of whatever X-Men movie that he showed up in. Um, was it Apocalypse? Yeah. yeah. Apocalypse shows Apocalypse. up at the end of a movie. Nobody knew what that meant. All of the after credit scenes in the MCU movies, nobody knew what any of those things, not nobody, but I don't think you can say everybody knew that. Like, I wouldn't have known what it meant you know, who Loki was. When I went to see Captain Marvel, I didn't know who all of the characters were and why it mattered. Oh, spoiler alert. Who was the good guy and who was the bad guy. I didn't know what any of those things meant. I got to watch them in the movie and I don't think that it's like, yeah, if you know what the Omega symbol is, it might make it land a bit more for you as a fan and that's really exciting, but I don't think not knowing it would take away from that experience. Yeah. But I think, you know, I think the difference, the difference there that I would argue is that you know, for for at least for the MCU movies, like those movies, um, like they work as their own movies, right? Like they don't inject their like after credits, like little Easter eggs things in the middle of their movies as a gigantic plot point. Well, see that that I mean, Batman yeah. vs Superman is a film. I don't. Yeah, you know, we can debate the merits of it or not at all because there's no point in debating the merits of this film. I've I've been on Twitter for the last five years yeah. and just watching this it. So is, this is uh, next week's podcast. But, I mean, yeah, just like even talking about like people knowing about the characters before, like Iron Man before the Iron Man movie was not an A-list Marvel character. He's you know he was, he was, he was honestly like. It was like a pretty, pretty crappy character overall, and then Robert Downey Jr. infused him, and suddenly he's a pillar of Marvel Comics, right? So, uh, it's the movies are sort of their own thing, and they need to exist on their own and succeed on their own and be interesting enough on their own when you're watching the movie. And then you might also have questions, but you're not going to ask questions unless you care about the movie. So, if right. the movie sucks, like you know, certain movies with B, V, and S in it, it doesn't matter that it's foreshadowing to something cool. Yeah, and like... I mean, you know, I. I... Oh, sorry, Lindsay. No, go okay, ahead. go ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna say, I think you know, uh, to try and to try and wheel this back to where we were before. At least, at least uh, for me, um, like Batman v Superman is definitely like that's that's a moment I think where where a detail like definitely subtracts from the overall product, right? Because I was already right. kind of cheesed off by the stuff that was going on in <laughs> Batman v Superman, um, and then something like that kind of happened, and I was just like, I was like, you know, this is this like this. This isn't helping the movie's case. I mean, there's definitely the the one detail that really made me mad. That's the point where I actually yelled out in the theater I was in, um, and that was, uh, you know, I'll, I'll get into it. That was the one where it's it's at the at the end of the movie where uh, where Doomsday shows up, and uh, Diana's on the plane and she's looking at the little screen, and Anderson Cooper comes on the TV on the news, and he he says, and he, and I'm this is like almost verbatim. Oh, yeah, he actually is. says. It's a little after working hours now, <laughs> so all of downtown Metropolis is basically abandoned. And I was like, what? what? <laughs> You're telling me what? Nobody went out for drinks after work? That people just clear out of downtown Metropolis after work? In a world full of superheroes, you don't go out for drinks after work. You, you go right home and you quarantine. And hopefully your house doesn't get blown up because Batman and someone are fighting. Like, oh And I, I genuinely shouted in the theater. I was just like, like what? It's the two extremes yeah. of that yeah. one. Because it's Man of Steel was I killed everyone as Superman, and then Justice League everyone is evacuated. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, We're what, done with that. What a I'm I'm really sorry. When I brought up Batman vs Superman earlier, I was hoping that we would skirt around talking about the film. 
um, and just keep it as a joke. But uh, you know, now we're nope. Now, nope. now, now let's analyze the Transformers an universe <laughs> with Michael Bay. So we're here. <laughs> oh, and uh, yeah, this is, this is week two, and we went completely like, off the rails. Yeah, the difference in between like success um, when it comes to like Easter eggs, foreshadowing, and trolls, and I think that like right, we can say like the MCU was great at Easter eggs. Um, things like even, mm-hmm. you know, Watchmen, great at Easter eggs, Westworld, great at Easter mm-hmm. eggs and foreshadowing as where I think the DCU kind of failed in, a, in, in kind of all of it. Like yeah. they sent us on these internet rabbit holes that just really didn't pay off. Um, if you guys remember, and I tried so hard not to be as obsessed with it as I wanted to be, but in one mm-hmm. of the early trailers, and I honestly don't even remember if it's in the final cut where uh, Ben Affleck as Bruce Wayne walks by the Robin suit with the, and everyone in the world was like oh my god it's a jason todd thing you know or joker's gonna kill a robin and like there was so much going on there and was that an easter egg was that a troll was uh, we'll, that we'll find out when robert detail, pattinson right? takes like... over the batman <laughs> yeah. moniker and i think it was so frustrating like i I mean, I won't, I'll try my best not to get into BBS, but I really, really could. Um, <laughs> I mean, we're already here. We're already you know. here. I think, like, BBS, I obviously didn't like it. I think it's a terrible, horrible nest. Like, just, oh my god, what were they doing? But at the same time, um, a lot of the visuals really felt like watching Batman for the first time. Like, I loved the fight scene in the prison, and I was like, oh my god. He definitely had is... weight to him. Yeah. Yeah, he had some weight. I was force like, this of is nature. A Batman movie. Yeah. This is dope. Um, but a lot of it really lost me, and there are a lot of, like, Easter eggs in the movie that were kind of successful like there's a lot of random i mean i've thoughts about this too but there's a lot of like random frank miller quotes that are just jammed into conversation and don't make any sense which <laughs> right. i think if you were like if you're me i was like oh hey alfred's quoting alfred from the dark knight returns <laughs> but then if you're like anyone else you're like why is alfred talking about bruce needing to meet a woman like this has nothing to do this with... is not the time <laughs> this is clunky and doesn't belong so yeah yeah, there, there's a lot there, and I the dream sequence was so excited, and I feel like I've unintentionally mentioned Grant Morrison on every single one of these podcasts, but I was like, Hi, oh, cool. totally fine. We're going to get, like, a cool, like, Grant Morrison-y's tile story in one of yeah. the first, you know, comic book, one of the first Batman movies that feels like a Batman comic that's so cool, and so to see it be for not was really disappointing. Yeah, for sure. And I, yeah. I remember I saw the movie in theaters with my brother opening day. I was super excited for it. And I, like, I, I came back out of the movie and I was like, I like that movie. And then I thought about it. like, And then like six months passed and I'm like, I didn't like that movie. Yeah. But it was like the hype of the day. And I was like, oh man, Superman sacrificed himself. How beautiful. Sure, it was really a slog. Wanted, but I, had... I like wanted to like it a lot. I like I knew that I wouldn't and I really wanted to. It was like everything. I was <laughs> no. like, what do you, like yeah. there was so much hinging on getting like the only copy of like this like usb photo which i was like you know how easy it is to put photos <laughs> yeah put it in the cloud i yeah. was like what like so they're designed um, every superhero that. symbol for them already yeah yeah, yeah. Like, hey it was good graphic design though i mean i mean lex great job there like, the, yeah the easter eggs and the hints that like didn't really pay off like yeah what were those little video clips i mean they paid off i actually didn't watch justice league oh uh, yeah the, yeah the, well it was just basically like here's the team and then they put the right. team together uh justice league also if you if you skip the 40 minutes in the middle huh. is an okay movie okay if you don't we cut it <laughs> yeah i don't I know think that was my- 
that was my initial thought with justice league and it was like one of those movies where like after i watched it i was like i i was neither mad nor like happy about it i was just like it was such an empty feeling for me i was like this is just such an okay movie i like it makes me mad that i can't be mad at it yeah and then at the same time as a comic book fan i mean I don't know if this really is as a comic book fan, but like I, I like Jesse Eisenberg's Lex Luthor. I was like, oh, he's really he's quirky. Really? He's, uh, he's like he, he was at least an interest. He, he was the only character that I was like, what's he gonna do next? And everyone else he, was like, he has all the caffeine. Literally, oh, he does, he does. And then uh, the after credit scene. I don't know if it was Justice League or Batman vs Superman, where you see Deathstroke played by Joe Manganiello, um, and he's like on a boat, and he's like a bunch of villains there. It's it's a weird thing because I, like I, I just saw a movie that I did not like at all, and then they show me Deathstroke and they show me villains, and I'm like, oh my god, when's this coming out? So yeah, yeah. yeah. you know, I am like a sucker for that kind it. of stuff, like an yeah. after credit scene where you show a villain specifically. Like I don't care, I'm yeah, hundred percent in because we'll probably never get that movie. Yeah, and then at the same time, like I I, I like Shazam because it was sort of its own sort of tale, and they just yeah, did the, really their good. own movie uh, by a great Swedish horror director who's also making short films right now and posting them on Twitter with his wife lovely um and you know what maybe the batman movie will be good wonder woman i like maybe. like you know wonder woman was really good. the new wonder woman looks too good too the um wonder woman okay the trailer has good music i'll you know we'll see whether the how, the how it comes together guys but how I are they that movie was pretty good so. uh, that movie was just pushed right steve what how's he coming back steve trevor uh he was sleeping uh yeah <laughs> frozen on the yeah. ice and he was <laughs> i got an if they're like i'm not joking and i'm if there is not a Lazarus pit in this fucking movie, oh my god, that would be cool. Uh, sorry, I'll stop. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, I would like live. Like I love the nonsense, and that's what like I think the DCU could really, really exploit. Oh yeah, well, big time. Is, like all the nonsense in DC that they really don't in the MCU. Like they kind of do. Like the Infinity Stones are definitely nonsense, which is great. They do a really good job with exploiting yep. all those weird rules and how you get the stones and all those things are really great. And the yeah. DCU hasn't really exploited their nonsense yet, and I think it would be just so funny if we started yeah. a yeah. Lazarus pit. Oh my god! And yeah. you know, I think definitely so, that's that's yeah. probably why Shazam works is because it's probably out of all the DC movies so far, it's the one that really like leans into the nonsense. Okay. Well, I yeah, and it, 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 it doesn't it doesn't care about tying end, into right? another film or, or starting a, well, a series of nine films or it's you know it's it's giving someone a, a smaller character and letting them tell their story with it. Yeah, so. for sure. Yeah, well, if just even just the ending, right? When all like uh, you know, I, I'm gonna get into spoilers here for anyone who hasn't seen Shazam yet. But like, uh, like at, sure. at the very end where they where they where they're in the carnival and they fight all like those the the you know the demon the hatred like the seven deadly seven sin deadly demon sin, yeah. and and um he uses his power to give all of his like other like orphan friends the Shazam powers. They all turn into like versions of Shazam and they're all fighting the monsters. Like that was hilarious. That's cool. <laughs> It's fun, yeah. You know, yeah, it was it was a ton of fun. Um, right. Yeah, so, so yeah. Uh, I don't know. Whoever's listening, sorry or thank you for the Batman versus Superman talk. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess I guess uh, we can we, we we should probably get to wrapping this up now. Yeah, just um, maybe on that. You know, just maybe. Um, <laughs> so just just a little final little thought. Um, to to end this on, I guess what was what what is everyone's like? If if everyone can pick like one of the, I guess their like favorite detail from like a game or a movie mm. or something that's, like that's what hard. would it be oh, yeah. um, i know i know for me specifically one of the things i that i i mean to this day i still continue to love it um it's in uh super mario odyssey 
uh, because they're one of the kingdoms. Uh, like it's like one of the o- the ocean kingdom that they used in a lot of the promo material. The the water in that area is actually supposed to be carbonated. So what oh. they did was that like when you're in one of, the, one of the other like water kingdoms is just a just a simple like lake. When you jump into the water, you can actually feel in the HD rumble like just like a regular like the way they actually make the rumble like simulates the the the, the onomatopoeia of like a kerplunk. But like when you jump into the water in the seaside kingdom, because it's carbonated, you actually feel like the way they did the rumble, like bubbles running up the controller, and it's such a such an amazing little detail. I love it every time. That's cool. Hmm. I like that. Yeah, that's my answer too. Oh, no. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, let's use that. That is yeah. the answer for everyone. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is Boardwalk Empire erasure because I had a really good answer. <laughs> Find out next episode on Pixels no, no, and Pink. Yeah, go no. for it. <laughs> no, is no one else actually giving an answer? No, I mean, I gave my Zelda one as my answer, so I was like, uh, okay, now I'm just, one. yeah, go ahead, guys. There's a ton, I mean, like, I could I could go through a ton of these Switch games that just, like, had me on the floor with these amazing little, like, touches that they added. Um, yeah, that's a hard one. I, I feel unprepared for it, but when I was thinking about TV shows with great details, um, and I thought about Westworld, I was also thinking about boardwalk empire um mm-hmm. if you don't know anything about me you might not know that i'm obsessed with mafia history or organized crime history and post-world war one and world war two um and boardwalk empire is really great and one of the things i love is it really explores a lot of the relationships between these guys and my favorite detail on the whole show is this is a lot this is a long tangent but my favorite detail on the whole show and probably one of my favorite details ever was um lucky luciano and meyer lansky were like best friends and mafia partners and it's very often uh forgotten and one thing that's really cool about them is the fact that one of them was jewish and one of them was italian uh really factored into like all of the mafia relations at world war ii and uh they were so close that they started speaking each other's languages so there's like a few moments in boardwalk empire where luciano speaks yiddish and uh meyer lansky replies to him in italian and i just think that's really cool absolutely beautiful i'm obsessed with every time it happens i'm like they did it like it's so cool <laughs> so yeah that's one of my favorite tv details nice that's great yeah, there you go awesome well, well I, anyone few, had... I, I have a few but i but they're all from the uh latest season of um westworld and that would spoil oh. things so i'm just not gonna say oh. them oh can we please go through them offline yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you know what? Just, just just on that note just thinking tv there's one detail that i that i noticed recently um my girlfriend was watching the oa and i didn't catch it before but there's a scene in like one of like this like the first or second episodes i, I couldn't stop laughing um this like one of the main characters is on youtube and she's on like the basically the YouTube channel for like a local news station. So like she's watching this like this news story that I guess they posted on their YouTube channel. But it's one of those things where you could tell that they had to make the YouTube channel specifically for the show. So this YouTube channel, like it, it shows a close up of the channel of the video being watched. Right. This channel has zero subscribers. <laughs> <laughs> it's supposed nice. to be a channel for the local news station. I know. I thought the exact same thing. I'm like they could have just gone to like the page code and just like typed in a number like it's got zero subscribers i couldn't stop laughing i know i couldn't stop laughing i think it's better for it such a great detail uh my favorite deal tale was the parademon scene in batman versus superman dawn of justice of course they look so accurate (laughs) (laughs) cole you got anything for us uh 
You know what? I'll, I'll recommend, uh, just because of my, my tangent with animation stuff, uh, I'm going to recommend a channel called Sugar Punch Design Works, and he breaks down how bad the animation is actually in games like Injustice 2 and really? Mortal Kombat X. Well, that's really interesting, actually. Because I, yeah. I am also, I will admit, I am too a, a sucker for like really good animation. So like even seeing stuff like that where they break down like how things don't work like frame by frame is really interesting to me. Yeah. So okay, yeah, definitely cool. recommend that channel to you. Nice. Oh, awesome. All right, and I guess with that, uh, that'll about conclude our proceedings for the Pixels and Ink podcast of this week. Um, everyone, social media? All at at Kaiser time. underscore Watson. <laughs> One at a time, guys. <laughs> Call us out each individually. Okay, fine. Brendan? Uh, beat Fry 26 on most things. Cole? At Kaiser underscore Watson. At Kaiser underscore Watson. Yeah, he's offline for some reason. That's weird. Um, Alex. Uh, at Alex Hansiuk. <laughs> Lindsay. Uh, smash Travis with an E. Smash Traves. And I, of course, am Ninja Jordan underscore on Twitter and Ninja Reviews on YouTube. Awesome. So nice. for another Pixels and in Ink podcast, thank you for listening. Stay safe. Stay inside. Definitely check out CG Mag online if you're feeling bored and want the latest game news reviews in tech, movies, all the good stuff. Or if you're and not we... feeling bored, you can do it non-bored. No, you have to be bored. <laughs> you, you have to be bored first. <laughs> this isn't about staying informed. This is about entertainment. I don't think having Caitlin a as the marketing Tom. head is the, is the smart choice here. But yeah, Everyone uh, go out and watch Batman v Superman and buy an Xbox One. I mean, watch I mean, Batman v Superman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One is actually a good deal right now. Yeah. It actually okay, is. Brandon's not working for EB games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I said I don't even know. I'm shilling for EB. It's wow. one of the only companies Yeah, you, you collect your checks. <laughs> all right. All right, we will, we will see you all next week. <laughs> <laughs>